Not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, not completely wound, but mostly wound. I'm your host, Sam R.B., and welcome to the world of the wild, weird, and wonderful. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at MostlyWhelmed.com. For $5 a month, you'll receive early access to future episodes, bonus clips, and other patron-only perks. David Hatley is a freelance web designer with a keen interest in math, physics, and philosophy. If you need a website, you can reach out to him at davidhatleydesign.com. After recording this episode, David whipped up an absolutely beautiful site from Mostly Whelmed in just under a few hours, and I can personally attest to the quality of his work. Today I talked to David about the power of eye contact, the importance of mind-body connection, the thought loops we find ourselves in, and rewriting past memories to create new future outcomes. Well, without further ado, hello, David, and welcome to the show. Why, hello, Sam. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What have you been up to lately? Recently, I've been uh, starting out and trying uh, freelance web design. Mm. I've been trying my hand at that. Uh, It's been, uh, I have two clients so far. It's been, um, I don't know, just a... Working out the kinks of it right now. So, what kind of web design is this? Um, I I haven't uh gotten niched down much, but uh, I've uh my two clients right now are now a church, and then the other is a um a vocal festival. Huh. So, just trying to um make a website, improve their websites, make them um more user friendly, more accessible. Uh, just the basics right now. So so you didn't build these from scratch then? I will be. Oh, okay. Yeah. So y- y- you're you're you've learned a lot of programming recently. Uh yeah, I have um learned uh I mean I I've known the basics for a long time, but I've never really applied them. I've more recently learned um a lot of the design aspects. Um in terms of a lot of uh, like user interface and user experience, um, as well as uh, how to um, really meet more business type needs rather than just the technical side, because I want to. I, I realize a lot of my problem in learning how to code is I wouldn't really have an end goal to it. I wouldn't have something that was really applicable or what uh, jobs sought for. So I'm hoping by actually solving business needs i can um uh be a little bit more attractive to employers or future uh clients yeah that's wonderful so you don't really like programming in terms of the actual code by itself you want to be doing something with it uh yes i feel like it's a um it's a tool and um it's not the end goal but it is a uh i want to be tool agnostic so if there's a uh like for most most things I've done so far, I've used uh, Webflow, which is a um, it produces the HTML and CSS for you. Hmm. So it's a lot easier. It's sort of like Photoshop for web design. I see. I see. Yeah. Because yeah. for all you know, for all I've known you, you've always been very you know smart dude. You know, <laughs> I mean, I remember in college you were helping me with my calculus homework. You know. I mean, yeah, it, it, you were doing physics and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's been. Um, I mean, I, I've. Uh, I I I studied physics and math in college, and I I loved it. I loved the problem solving. Um, except I, I've always really had an interest in um, the way things are designed and like the functionality of things. And I hope. I mean, I, eventually, I want to like build some sort of app or something like that, mm-hmm. some sort of software for a service. Um, that would be. I don't know. That's 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 something I'm like really interested in, but I want to just try my hand at like freelance work. See what um, see what's needed out there first, and then maybe I could make some product once I've established like oh, once I've seen like oh, these businesses all need this feature, um, and then I could potentially sell that. Yeah. Hmm. Have you thought of any ideas for apps that you would develop? <laughs> really, nothing. Nothing good yet. So, yeah. but yeah, that's just. Uh, I don't know. It's a dream. Well, what are you currently doing for your day-to-day work? Um, just that freelance. Um, really? Do, yeah. You um, you totally made the switch. Yes, I mean I have um in uh, September um or, or before September I was um working 
uh, working two jobs. I was working at a brewery as a server, and then um, I just started off at a uh, chemi- uh, chemical analysis company. Hmm. Um, something a little closer to like physics and math. Um, but then in uh, early September, I got into a car accident. Uh, yeah. Completely my fault. Um, it was, uh, I believe I fell asleep, fell asleep at the wheel. And uh, thankfully no one else was involved or hurt um but that uh that set me back pretty pretty far and i had lots of nerve damage in my arm um completely broke my uh upper arm and uh so yeah i had uh, quite a lot of time for uh recovery and since i haven't been able to use my hand i've been just uh yeah i've just uh, been focusing on uh recovery your hands what's wrong with your hand so my radial nerve was damaged, which is on the outside of my arm going um, meaning I for a long time I couldn't even lift my wrist oh. or open my fingers. I still have trouble with it, but it's improving. Um, but nerves grow at about a millimeter a month mm. if that. So it's it's been a long recovery, but the doctor says that um, I'm recovering really well for the type of accident I was in and um, yeah. I should in a few months I should have a full recovery. but because of that, I um, but I've been uh, wanting to pursue other, been trying to pursue like freelance while I'm still recovering something that I don't have uh, have to really type much for or um, really utilize my broken hand. Well, it's hard to be a server when you uh, yeah. can't carry something. So, Well, you're looking great, man. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever looked better, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's not much for our podcast listeners, but I have a... Um, uh, like a nine inch uh, incision here on my arm and eight mm-hmm. inches of uh, titanium Ooh. in my right arm. So that's uh, uh yeah, that's a, uh, maybe you can add it as a photo for the podcast. Yeah. But... Supplemental materials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah something like that. <laughs> so, something for your uh, Patreon. Followers. <laughs> <laughs> I need to find a way to get one Patreon follower. <laughs> It's uh, still waiting. Sorry, you really got to still waiting on those. Do that uh, marketing and saying. I mean, I'm sure once you uh, have, you know, you don't have many episodes so far. So maybe yeah. once you show a little, little have, have a little bit more, show them that I'm really serious about this. Yes, yeah. a lot of people only get few episodes in. So, oh really? We'll see. Oh yeah, I remember there's some some statistic that like 90 percent of podcasts don't get past the first 10 episodes <laughs> or something, and then. 90% of those don't make it past 100 so it's um i mean it's a it's a commitment so i i want to be more than just an accident statistic though you know what i mean i know right i've never i've always i've always found like statistics towards behavior as motivating rather than deterring it's like oh that means that many people gave up or that many people had these problems which i can solve that you know yeah yeah well, you're not just a mathematics man. You're also <laughs> no. you're also a husband and a father. True, it's been uh, the absolutely uh, best decisions of my life: getting married and having a little one. How old is your little one? She is, I believe, nineteen months now. Wow! Yes. Wow! So can he like talk and stuff? He's he's just yeah he's started talking. He's um. About just now saying some like multiple words at once. Um like what very simple stuff. Like um like uh the other day he said red car, which was pretty exciting. He can name all his colors. He can name a lot of animals. Um we, we have like flashcards and stuff for him. Uh he can name a lot of professions. He's um I know he's 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 he surprises me every day with that what he picks up and learns. Got to be really careful about what I say, and because um, he he'll it'll he'll pick it up like a sponge. I see. Yeah. Has that ever happened where he said something you weren't expecting him to? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll like if I like say something ridiculous or saying something or say something weird, he'll like try to like he loves counting down from three. He'll go like like we'll go th- one, two, three, or counting up. Um, but he'll just go, uh, uh, <laughs> and then he's just not sure what to say or do, but he, he knows he's supposed to do that. So, oh, wow. it's, um, I don't know, it's really cute. 
That must be really satisfying to see, you know, to witness all of this. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's been a, it's been a, it's a lot of work. It's like a, uh, it's a, it's like an emotional marathon. Parenting. Mm. It's like it's not. It's not testing in the everyday. Like if you've ever babysitted a kid, like yeah, it's can be difficult, but it's just it's the day in day out where you have to like contest con- you have to really build up consistency and how you take care of them and be very dynamic. It's, um, mm-hmm. oh, it's a challenge, but I, I love it. How do you feel about raising a kid during the COVID times? Oh, that's hard. Um, what challenges are there I- involved in this? Um, I mean, it's in early COVID, we were like really, uh, we were, we were really spooked and we're very, um, we were very closed off, um, like wipe our groceries down with bleach and just like the whole whole nine yards with precautions. We didn't talk to anyone, hang out with anyone, get more than 20 feet away from, or close to close to anybody. Um, and so we didn't get a lot of help starting off with a kid that you might normally get. Mm. Like whether it be a friend to watch the watch your kid for a while or uh, like I was, we were separated from my parents for a long time, and um, yeah, that was hard because um, now they watch him, or they um, they love hanging out with him, and they watch him like once a week, and that's a good break for us. But and when we were just starting off, we didn't have many people to show us what to do or um, just give us a break every once in a while. So it's uh, much better now. But yeah, COVID was um, it was difficult having a COVID child, but. Um, yeah, we're excited moving forward, but I know this pandemic isn't close to ending. But it's um, uh, I hope I hope he can uh, begin to socialize more. He loves people. He'll um, he loves just waving at people, saying hi to everyone that goes by. Just a very social little baby. He must get it from his father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um, uh, I uh, used to be fairly social, especially in college. I was very into like uh social like connections like building up a network that sort of stuff really trying to understand people and um i would um i don't know i I remember i had a rule for myself a long time ago where um every day i had to meet five new people Mm. and um eventually that compounded to the point where i i could not go anywhere in town without seeing someone i knew really um and that was, um, I mean, it was a little, it was a little weird, but it, it was nice being able to just like, I, I felt lots of comfort in the sense that like, if I had a question or, um, like needed to talk to someone or something, there's all pretty much always someone there. Um, and why did you make that rule for yourself? Well, before that, I was very antisocial. I would mm. talk to, mm. um, or I had a lot of difficulty socializing. Like anytime I entered a new group, whether it be middle school, high school, it would take me what felt like years to really acclimate to that, um, to that environment. Um, I would have a lot of just extreme social anxiety. I remember, I remember in high school, I'd, um, there was someone who just said like, what's up. And at the time I, I, um, that question really confused me. Cause I'm like, no one says like what's actually going on in their lives. They just say what's up back or hi or something. So I was, I just remember just being like stunned and confused and not just didn't respond at all to this person because right. <laughs> I was just so caught up in my own head. And I, a lot of that struggle um, really shaped me later on. I've uh, in, um, in college, I became a resident advisor. Mm. Uh, for, um, working in the UNAM dormitories. And um, that's when I first learned that you could like learn how to socialize, like learn a lot of these more people skills, social skills. Um, and that's when I really implemented the rule of, oh, I have to meet five new people a day. Um, Was that difficult at first? Um, well, college made it easy. Mm. Like just, I would, the easiest trick is just to go up to, Someone you know, especially or, like in college, there's like I could go on Lapo or something, and 
come up to someone I know who's sitting with other people and being like, hey, could you introduce me to your friends? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it really worked. And then it was, uh, it, it became problematic when I wouldn't remember people <laughs> who I've met. They'd be like, oh, hey, David. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> I see. But, um, so how did you meet your wife? <laughs> uh, she, um, she actually crashed my birthday party. So, <laughs> like she just showed up. Yes, she. Uh, you didn't know. They're, who they're she a was? mutual friend. Um, she was there's. I, I had someone at the door that almost <laughs> didn't let her in because um, I didn't want. I didn't want like, especially near the Knob Hill. Just didn't want like random people coming into uh, me and my roommate's house at the time. Um, but uh, but she she knew a mutual friend and um, and yeah, we, then we um. We met there, and then a little while later, we ended up uh, going rock climbing with a mutual friend, and um, we hung out pretty much every day since then. Mm. Um, mm. And then I think nine months after that, I proposed, and three months after that, we got married. And yeah. How do you decide a person that you're going to want to marry to be in this very solid, you know, long-term kind of commitment with, you know? I mean, that's a good question. And I, I don't, I mean, I have my experience. I don't know if I can give advice as to how to find the one or whatnot or what. Well, tell me each person values. Um, I think it's just, we, we, I just really enjoyed each other's company and we wanted to spend time together every day. Um, and I think that, how how we ended up spending time together there every day more than anyone else and more than anyone else in our lives it just became a matter of like oh this person is the most important person to me and we just through through the day-to-day choice of spending time together it was like oh okay they're the we're right for each other yeah. that makes sense yeah. if yeah if that really i don't know it filtered out all the people who weren't uh who didn't really uh, work as well. So. Right, right. It's a natural kind of this person that you enter the flow state with or whatever you want to call it. Oh, know? yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, and I, I think especially COVID, there's a lot of uh, isolation. A lot of couples like had like, I feel like it was definitely a test for a lot of couples. And I, me and my wife's relationship definitely grew throughout that time. Mm-hmm. Um, especially having a child, but um, I think learning to make it work and learning how to, um, um, yeah, learning how to um, work with someone and not just not thinking about yourself, but thinking about like, oh, my my actions and impact towards other people. It's like those who are deeply involved in our lives. It's like, you know, it becomes, um, it's nice that it's not just about me. Hmm. anymore and it used to be more just about you you oh yeah yeah Hmm. definitely Hmm. um just there's um before i didn't have to um or i never really uh saw the impact of my how i affect someone else every day but now i feel like i've um i I see it every day and i'm like okay what sort of impact do i want to make on other people yeah that's interesting do you so how long have you been married now for um, he got married September 1st, 2019. Mm, mm. Um, so like three years, three years. I'm so bad at, for having studied math, I'm really bad at mental math. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that you feel like after you got married, it's, it's still been very much like walking in line and like you want to spend time, you know, yeah, I mean, like we we like our own our own time, like by ourselves, like having some uh, ability to like uh, do our own thing is really nice and makes it interesting. Our relationship really interesting, but we, um, but yeah, we we enjoy spending time together. We laugh every day and still uh, enjoy each other's company. So. so, so what are some things about yourself that you've learned? You know that you've drawn up sort of, I don't know, the boundaries or the definitions of what you are. 
Um, I'd say I used to live a lot in ideation where I would just have ideas for what I would do or want to do. And now I'm like, okay, well, I haven't done those things. Or I would say I would do a lot of these things and I didn't, never did. Mm-hmm. And um, now it's want to focus more on like, okay, this is what I've done or what I'm doing and have some, some like for like looking ahead, but not trying to uh, identify with that as much. Hmm. Like I wanted to live on the road in my VW bus, but that, that was just a dream. That was nothing. I, I never really took the proper steps to get there. So Hmm. do you think that's something you would still like to do at some point? Uh, It would be fun to um, like, I, I, seen quite a few videos of uh like school bus renovations but um i don't know <laughs> that that would be fun but i, I don't know that's um I'll, I'll let you know if i end up actually take the whole family on a trip that. yeah that would be great i'd love i'd love that sort of life um and if, if freelance if web design works out we can do freelance remotely then um i definitely want to at least do some trap some serious travel long-term yeah, travel yeah Live kind of, I've heard that there are a lot of programmers that live this kind of nomadic lifestyle where they, they just pack up their computer and go to Thailand or they go to, you know, wherever, you know, all around the world and just work on their stuff. Yeah. That always seemed, seemed kind of cool to me, actually. <laughs> would you ever pursue that? I would love to do that, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. What have you been up to recently? What have I been up to? Uh, well... I'm doing this podcast. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I really do believe, I mean, the more podcast episodes I've done, it's about just being completely as present as you possibly can to the other person who's speaking, you know. Mm. I want to, on some level, become you when you're talking to me. I want to dissolve into, you know, what it is that you're saying and for me to actually grasp it and understand it, you know, that's where like empathy comes in and that's where real connection starts to form, you know, where everything else disappears. These microphones exist, don't exist. This room doesn't exist. It's just me and you coming closer and closer together. Um, that and what you mentioned about eye contact earlier reminds me of, um, a study I read and, some, I don't know, I, I, uh, I would, uh, it's hard to even call it an experiment, but some, just some basic experiment. Um, and I did in college of, um, well, there's a study that says that, um, if you, um, that staring into someone's eyes, um, uh, I believe silently mm. for over 10 minutes can produce hallucinations. Mm where people can start hallucinating. Um, I, be- I believe it was done in low light, the original experience. Um, but there also s- tends to be some sort of, um, like you feel a very like deep, intimate connection with right, that person. Right. Um, or maybe not intimate, but you feel like very connected. And um, I mean, I I'd believe that maybe like physiologically or something, there's something going on where you're in sync with that person. Um but I, um, well, I tried this with some friends where we would just, um, like, uh, stare into each other's eyes for like five, like five, 10 minutes and try to be silent. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it was talking, sometimes it was silence and it was, it was really weird. Cause then at the end of it, we would ask each other questions or something like, what am I thinking of? Um, and I remember um, this one person asked me, um, or I was like thinking of something, and they asked, and I asked like, "Okay, what am I thinking?" Um, and they immediately guessed a tree, which was exactly what I was thinking. And then I'm like, "Okay, which tree?" Because I was th- having a thinking of a specific one outside of the sub, mm. and they said that tree. Hmm. And then I, um, I, I forget who asked it, but then. Um, uh, or no, I think uh, then they asked, um, okay, what am I thinking of? And I'm like, okay, it's a color. And they're like, yes. And I said, the color red. And they're like, yes. And so it was just like weird. That was that, Or that was a really weird experience. Sort of like, okay, how'd that happen? Um, but we also found that it was incredibly meditative. Yes. Like afterwards, we walk away like super calm, feeling just super at ease. And also just like, 
like you're saying, like completely at one with that other person. Right, right. Um, and so, yeah, that was, um, I don't know, that was, uh, that was very interesting learning that like just prolonged eye contact with someone else is not only extremely meditative, but it's, um, it's like you can become in sync with someone right else. it's strange and it's mysterious how does this all work you know yeah. it's like maybe what it is that when you become close enough to someone and again like i said it doesn't take that much to become close to someone it takes incredible amount of just awareness and presence and just being right here in the moment you know yeah when you can get to that level of empathy and understanding i it, it doesn't seem like that big of a stretch, you know, because it's like you are on the same page with them. It's not that big of a step to say that I could read into your mind to some extent <laughs> and you could read into mine because that's kind of what's happening when people are really close to each other. They finish each other's sentences, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, have you ever seen um, Westworld? No. Okay. Well, in that, I'll just give a simple the summary but in that there's um it's like uh a theme park where there are a bunch of robots that uh play out a like a cowboy type drama for people for visitors to just come and pretend they're like cowboys and stuff and uh they can do absolutely anything they want there and it's it's just a it's a really interesting show but they introduced this idea of um of like game loops i'm sure you're familiar with where like care like um, characters in a game have their loop in which they they take the same actions every day. They have the same storyline, and this I, after watching that, I really started seeing a lot of my own behaviors as these sort of character loops, where mm. I would start taking the same decisions or thinking the same thoughts every day. I mean, there's that. I, I have no idea where it's from, but that statistic that like ninety percent of your thoughts every day are the same. Mm. Um, and so I would start recognizing a lot of the behaviors and thoughts that were just a reaction to my environment that were just like the same sort of loop day in, day out. Hmm. Give um, me an example. Like, uh, I, I don't know, like uh, any sort of habit, anything that you might think or do each day, whether it be like. The time you go to bed, for example, it's like mm. you have the same routine and unless you break that loop, you'll continue to retake those same habits. Like if you um, like uh, always sleep in and never get to work on time, that's a loop you have to break. And then once you break, it's like you make the decision to get up early and then you do that. But sometimes you will it's easy to fall back into those same loops. So, um, uh, but I just going back to what we were talking about. Um, I feel like so much of day-to-day -day conversation is talking to these is like talking to a game character. It's like, there's no substance to it. It's like, Oh, how are you? Good. I'm doing uh, good too. Bye. Or I did this, blah, blah, blah. It's like the same, go to sent this same go to sentences the same go to responses for things rather than anything deeper right. and i think that eye contact thing of like really unex like it's something that you we spend so little time like actually connecting and not just our default responses to things right um and i think a lot during COVID and a lot of like my spiritual experiences made me aware of like, Oh, Hey, these are my, a lot of what, who I am are these just default responses, which I, uh, can become aware of and can alter or choose something else to do. And, um, yeah. Do you think there's any use to keeping some of your default responses though? I think it's inevitable. It's, it's, I think, it makes life easier in some ways. Yeah, it's like, I mean, if it's, if it's something that you want to do and it, okay. if it's beneficial to you, then it's um, it's very, uh, it's, it's worth doing. Um, but like there's a, a level of complacency attached to it also. Yeah, I mean, if you um, if you stick to a habit for too, too hard for too long, it can, it's, that's where a lot of, like, 
I believe self-sabotage comes from where you, instead of doing some, instead of doing what's obviously the beneficial, you start right. take doing things just because they're comfortable or the right, what you think is, um, you don't want to spend time thinking like the putting in the mental effort of thinking like, okay, what's, what's a better solution here or what's something else I could be doing. Um, so how can you tell if you're stuck inside a game loop? <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good uh, question. I mean, I think it's almost impossible to break out. I think a lot of, even once you're out of one loop, you're just starting a, a new one. <laughs> I see. Um, but I, I think you can consciously, um, consciously alter a lot of these loops. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, re, uh, something I, I've, I've talked to you about before is uh, memory reconsolidation. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's the idea that um, you can, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a therapy that's been used for post-traumatic stress disorder for, uh, I believe, at least 20 years. Um, so it's fairly well established, but um, I, and I by no means know an expert on it or know any, no, um, like, uh, have any, uh, uh, authority to <laughs> speak on it, but, um, it's, uh, uh, through returning to old memories that influence your behavior today, like traumatic experiences, you can, um, change your implicit memory regarding them. So explicit memory being uh, this, this, this happened. Implicit is your relationship to that memory, mm. your feeling regarding that memory. Um, and especially after my accident, um, that was very, that was probably the most dramatic experience of my life. Um, being able to re go back to those memories and recontextualize them. Um, I was able to change a lot of the loops I was in mm. Because I would um, be able to address the underlying emotion where it's like, oh, oh no, I'm choosing this because of this emotion, because of that, because this happened before for me before. Like all the pain I went through subsequently, a lot of my actions were based on um, that pain where it's like, oh, I have hesitation regarding to doing this or to moving this way. And by the time that pain was gone and my arm was healed, I was still acting in ways that were as though I were still in pain. I see. And by addressing these, this, the traumatic memories and changing my emotion towards them, I can be like, okay, I can move my arm a little more confidently. I can like extend it. I can pick up more heavier things and um, I don't have to be as cautious or as closed off. That sounds pretty challenging though, because I mean, Oftentimes with emotions, it's, it's not just like there's one emotion that's tied to something that is traumatic to you. It's like it's a whole complex web of different memories that are interlocked with that memory and different emotions that are, you know, correspond to it, you know. And then it's like, how do you untangle all of that? I have no clue. <laughs> but um, what I would do is just before I would go to sleep. Um, I forget the name for it, but uh, that's at a, at a time when like you're shifting from being conscious to unconscious. Yeah. And during that time, there's a window, I think it's hypnogogic state sure. where your brain becomes a lot more suggestible. Yes. And um, I don't know if there's any research to back this up or not, but during that time I would replay the, any experiences and imagine it as either like my, like a positive outcome or just at peace with what was going mm -hmm. on. And then I would repeat that, um, repeat that right before I was going to sleep. And I believe that really that doing it, especially right before bed really, um, accelerated, um, the memory consolidation and then instead of feeling um feeling so like oh i have to do this xyz or i have to do this right. it became a lot easier to let that go and be like oh wait i want this outcome i want to do this so i can 
Right. And it's almost like you went through real trauma in that accident. You really like hurt yourself physically in a lot of ways. But yeah. also it left like kind of an emotional mental scar that that had to heal as well. Yeah. And um, I mean, from what I researched about it is it's you can very consciously know you've gone through trauma, but you it can be very difficult to actually recognize the way it's affecting you Mm. um Mm. and i I noticed that a lot where i would um i experienced a lot more anger and frustration and um especially with like trying to uh trying to like do things again and challenge myself again is i like it was so difficult to try to move my hand properly again that that would lead to so much anger and frustration and i would find myself getting angry and frustrated when the situation doesn't really make sense to call for that um so yeah i would say it it is it is very complex but and like hard to recognize sometimes trauma um but once it's uh i don't know it's just a once i was able to like really recognize that and be more aware of like when i was going down these loops um i could really start addressing them so yeah, there's some things that we have to be able to say to ourselves, okay, I'm angry about this or I'm upset about this, but I can't really do anything about it in terms of like changing it, you know, yeah. or healing it. We can't just heal things like in a split second, you know, just because we say I want to be better doesn't mean we're actually better. Yeah. And just because you say, oh, I'm going to do this, this and this doesn't mean you're going to. So. But it is a practice. And if you have patience with it, over time, you'll start to see the results of your of your your discipline toward it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. If you keep thinking the thoughts that you want to have, you keep believing the beliefs that you want to have, eventually you will believe them. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that, I think memory consolidation, that sort of, uh, this that technique that I would implement really helped a lot in actually changing those beliefs and emotional beliefs because it was more of the implicit emotional relation to them rather than the I believe X Y Z because right. when you say that like if you like affirmations or whatnot if you say that to yourself then your like prefrontal cortex says like no that's logically not true that's not true that's not true but um, if you can alter the your more of a your relationship to that idea, make it more true. Like, oh, like oh, I I am capable of doing this. I am capable of moving my arm. I remember in particular, I've been really needing to schedule physical therapy for my arm, yeah. but for some reason, I wouldn't. I mean, like would never get around to it. And I think a lot of that was from my not wanting to go through, like, not wanting to address the trauma that had happened. And then once, almost immediately as I um, started to uh, revisit, like, the trauma um, and try to change my relationship to it emotionally, I found myself just starting to take those actions towards healing more. And I would imagine myself with my arm fully functional Mm. As I was falling asleep, and then I would realize, oh wait, this is something I actually I really want emotionally, and it's worth getting past all of this, um, the pain and the trauma. Um, yeah, it's just profound to me that yeah, the mind body connection. I mean, are you f- familiar with the works of uh, William Reich? I've heard his name i don't remember though well he's somebody who believes very much in that idea that basically all neurosis kind of well any neurosis that you could have ultimately will manifest itself in a physical ailment oh yes um i I definitely i'm fairly um on the side of uh mental mentalist mentalism Mm -hmm. just uh, this the fact that uh like the mind really determines or has the capability to determine a lot of things compounded. Right. Um, so like if you have, if you 
exercise a certain thought about something like, oh, I'm this way. Like, oh, no, I'm like after my accident, a lot of it was like, oh, I'm broken. And I would that would compound where the point where I like wasn't using my arm fully really well. And then um, my um, my muscle and tendon really started to tighten up to the point where I like wasn't because I wasn't stretching it and using it. And I was looking at a swing sling for too long. Yeah. I would. Um, it decreased my it slowed down my recovery. Um, I've had this thought, and it's very, it's maybe this is kind of controversial, but especially in this era of COVID where everybody's afraid of getting sick, you know, I feel like that fear of getting sick actually, and even the fear of being sick just compounds the illness and makes it even worse. I, I yeah, um, I wouldn't go to like just because we're on the topic, I wouldn't go as far to say like, oh. Like you can not get COVID if you believe you right right if you if you just believe you can't get it but I I do think that like living in fear of a virus like just your emotional relationship to it in a way yeah if you have a reoffering like continue to like worry and worry and worry and stress about this that will over time negatively and affect your immune system just all the stress the cortisol um that will affect your ability to face like the strength of your immune system yeah um and and conversely if you believe that you can heal i'm healing i'm healing then i think eventually you will a lot of the time you know and if and then you also start identifying with if you identify with someone who heals you'll identify as someone who's healthy and might take more actions towards greater health rather than um, like creating a more robust immune system. Yeah. It's Um, just interesting to me that like, it seems like the official message we get is that COVID is just so scary and you will never recover if you get it. It'll be terrible and you can't heal from this. Everyone will die. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's the right way to like, like there's, um, Oh gosh, there's this, uh, there's this guy I'm following for who I'm learning sales from Mm -hmm. Alex Hermosi, I believe, Mm -hmm. but he talked, he has this one talk where he's like 90% of communication is emotional and 10% of it is logical. Yeah. Um, and I believe that is same with our self-talk, how we relate to our own ideas and thoughts. Um, but yeah, if I think, yeah, our thought, we should try to be in terms of our thoughts, be as rational as possible. Like, mm. yes, vaccination helps mm. whatnot. Mm. But if our, if the emotion behind it is like, oh, you must get vaccinated or you'll die. Then it's, it, it's, yes, it's going to stress people out. Right. It's not right. going to help much. But if you instead think like, well, vaccination helps, but also uh like million other decisions you can make from eating healthy to exercising to doing all this stuff is going to impact your long-term health and your ability to fight off a virus um and to me it just seems like the the placebo effect the fact that you know oftentimes it does work you know when people are just given this drug that isn't actually even a real drug to help them they believe in the power of that of what they've taken and it just to me it just proves that the mind is so capable of of changing the body drastically yeah i think yeah (laughs) um and i might even take it one step further than that if if we're gonna go down this rabbit hole Perhaps the mind is capable of changing even more than just your body. <laughs> like other people's. And and the whole the whole world around you as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um I think I I would agree that it especially in c- compounding effects. Like if you um if your relation to other people and uh, is positive, like if you think well about someone, then over time, your interactions with those people, you will 
impact it will like uh if you make their day a little better now then down the line that can have a domino effect right and i believe positive to the point where it's substantial right um and same as the inverse where if you have a negative effect on someone though small over time that compounding i think everything compounds right absolutely um uh, to the point where it's like, yeah, it doesn't necessarily like your thoughts might not directly affect someone. But if you continually think bad about someone, even if you're nice, then over time that will compound subconsciously through that emotional communication, which is 90 percent of what we're communicating, like right. a lot through body language, through tone of voice, um, through just the context of what you're saying in. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I think you're spot on with that. I mean, if you start to become more joyful presence around everybody in your life, you start to see their joy, you yeah. know? And it's and it's, it's amazing how much effect just a single person who has a shift, just a little bit of a shift in mindset can have such a big impact on everyone else around them. Yeah, and... There's something I've noticed because I would um, is that it's a lot of the trouble that I would have, especially with like, I don't know. Yeah, it just reminds me of like in parenting, like when I am realizing that I'm thinking a lot more like, oh, my gosh, like my son's being really annoying. He's uh, just like so stressful, even though I would still do the same actions, like I would still take care of him whatnot but the more uh, thoughts i would have of like oh this is this is difficult this is um th this is annoying or like oh why does he have to do that and that um the more i realized that i would sort of produce that sort of behavior in him and then i started doing the memory consolidation just imagining us enjoying our time together more and imagining him taking the actions that um like imagining him learning more, imagining him doing the right thing more, the more I realized that I would expect that from him and start, it could almost give rise to that behavior in him through changing my inner relationship, my inner like thoughts towards him. Yeah. So, yeah. Now here's the big question. What does this all have to do with math? <laughs> That's a good question. I think there's, um, I think math it it can be really easy to mix math up with its applications, mm. like statistics. I don't think statistics is math. I think it's just applied math. Mm. Same with engineering. It's just applied mathematics where you're using these equations to solve a certain problem, like individual tools. Whereas I see math itself as closer to abstraction itself, where you're able to take certain problem or pattern and abstract it to the point where you can piece it together and solve something. Yes. So I think I take that sort of framework of rigorous abstraction and try to apply it towards everything in my life. Hmm. Um, including like how my thoughts affect this and how they compound or um, how I socialize or how I, um, how I take care of my child and stuff. Right. I should <laughs> should do it more, but it's... Um, you sort of start with these axioms. Yeah. You know, and it's easy to get caught up in it, too. I right. definitely... I'll get too far with it where I have my own mental theories of how things work when it's just... haven't tested them enough, but... Um, yeah, you find a counterexample, and then your proof is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to find the theorem that... That's that holds up. Yeah, definitely. Are they? Yeah, that's um. I definitely. I I notice it's it that math and physics it just sort of comes out more in the way I think about things rather than explicitly like okay I'm apply this equation to <laughs> yeah how my son does X Y Z. It's no, it's um more just how I think about problems. Is that your math voice? <laughs> <laughs> That's my math voice. <laughs> do do do. <laughs>
Yeah, I've definitely I've started using a lot more silly voices. Oh, I'm yeah. a father. Oh yeah. And noises g- and g- songs give, and give stuff. Me, give me a few of your silliest. No. <laughs> um oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I can't just think of them offhand. Just pretend I'm I know. Your son. I don't know if you ever seen Coco Melon no. the YouTube. I've heard I know of like that. almost every song of Coco Melon. Give me give me lay it on me. <laughs> I can't perform. No, no. I unless you want all your listeners to unsubscribe <laughs> from your podcast. Maybe I do. <laughs> uh, well, maybe um, I'll get negative Patreon followers. <laughs> Sorry, you have to pay money to do a podcast. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, this has been a very lovely conversation, David. I wonder, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I just started getting off, just started in web design. So if uh, you or anyone else uh, or any of your listeners um, have a business that either still needs their website built or needs, um, or thinks that it can... Um, be improved and like whether it be uh to gain more customers or to gain more like subscribers or followers i'm happy to uh see if we could uh start a conversation work together you can um find it find me at david hatley d-a-v-i-d-h-a-t-l-a-y design.com well wonderful david thank you so much for being on the show of course sam i'm uh, happy to be here And thank you so much, dear listener, for tuning in. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, please subscribe to our Patreon at MostlyWhelm.com. This is your host, Sam R.B., signing off.